You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, final show of the week, and we're going to have a little bit of fun here. In the third segment, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints is joining me for the ultimate crossover, the ultimate team up, better than the Avengers, better than the Justice League. We're talking Saints and Pelicans and players who would play for the other franchise. So which Pelicans would play for the Saints? What position would they have? Which Saints players would play for the Pels if they needed to maybe sign a replacement for Orlando? We're going to have some fun with that, so make sure you stick around to the end. Other than that, before that, we've got to talk about Alvin Gentry. Uh, going with the team, said there, I felt he was going to be going, but there was a chance he might not. Why this is important? Because... I'm kind of coming around that I'm excited for this basketball, not for the reasons you might think. I think we're going to see some good basketball, and I'm going to explain why. Then let's take a look at Derek Favors, particularly with Zion Williamson, and the defensive improvements of this team as the season went on. They started off bad, then really got better. Let's take a look at all of it in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. All right, so let's start with Alvin Gentry. He will be going to Orlando with the team. And look, some of you are not exactly the biggest Alvin Gentry fans, to say the least. But this is important. So no matter what you think of him as a head coach, this is important because Jeff Bizdelic's not going to be there. And now we've learned from ESPN's Andrew Lopez, friend of the show here, that Jamel McMillan, one of the assistant coaches, will not be going with the team either. He has a newborn child. He's going to be there taking care of the child and not going to Orlando because of all this, which makes a lot of sense. But you're already down two coaches. Yes, I know you're all excited to see what Chris Finch would have done as the acting head coach of the team. But having your main guy there who sets the tone for everything, I think is actually really important because the more continuity you add to this, I think the better basketball you're going to see, obviously. But I'm also coming around to the idea that um, you're going to see some pretty good basketball out there on the court. Uh, And this comes from me listening to our Thursday edition of Locked on NBA with David Locke and the Washington Post, Ben Golliver. And Locke was talking about how, you know, they're going to have 21 days leading up to the first basically game that they're playing. The Pelicans have their first practice today. It's the 10th. And so... You've got 21 days before the first games are played. That's longer than the normal training camp that these guys have. And given the fact that everyone seems to have stayed in really good shape, this weird suspended offseason that we've dealt with only should make things kind of better. So, yes, while we're all expecting kind of bad, rusty basketball, is it going to be any different than the start of the regular season for a normal NBA season? Probably not. And... 
now that you put in the guy like Zion, who's already improved during all of this, these guys were working out maybe, you know, to a degree that I think is comparable with an offseason that w- they would have normally had. Uh, and so I think we're going to see some good basketball. The fact that they're just kind of all there together. These guys are probably going to do a lot of work together, I think, you know, to be what they can outside of just the scheduled practice times and scrimmages that they have. So there's potential for this basketball to be better than what we are expecting to see. And I think that's pretty awesome from this team. And if these Pelicans are playing better than what we were expecting, they're going to be good because I think our expectations for them are pretty high. So having Alvin Gentry there to provide a little bit more coaching, to keep some continuity going, just to have another set of eyes out there. Yeah, his record hasn't been great, but I don't think anyone doubts that he's not a good coach in terms of like player development, in terms of kind of getting some of these guys ready to play and helping them work on things. And again, setting the overall tone and the philosophy that they want. Having him there is a good thing, particularly when you're down two guys. Bizdelic's going to be working out of the facility over at Airline, but it's not the same as being there. It's not as the same as seeing something in practice, blowing a whistle, and then working one-on-one with someone during all of this or to kind of explain what he's seen and why it wasn't going and why it wasn't going the way he wanted it to go. So having Alvin Gentry to be able to do that, to provide more instruction, very important thing. Even if you're not the biggest fan of Gentry and you don't think he's a good coach, I don't think you can really deny and argue against having him there being a good thing, particularly when you're down two guys, two pretty important guys. You're one of your associate head coaches in Bizdelic, another in McMillan who works with the guards a lot and really has helped them exceed and is also defensive focused a lot of the time as well. So that's a very good thing that Gentry's going. Found out as he was getting basically like waiting to board the plane as the team was boarding the plane. It also sounds like Mike D'Antoni's going to be going as well. I don't know if we've had anything on Popovich yet, but as I told you these, you, you guys, this was in doubt that they were going to go, all of these guys. We're not finding this out until basically, you know, the day that the teams are going to Orlando if they're cleared to play, even if they wanted to. A lot of people yelled at me on Twitter, oh, if they want to go, they'll go. NBA can't do this. NBA was seriously looking at not letting them go. Otherwise, this would have been pretty cut and dry, right? We wouldn't have found out when the rest of the team was boarding the plane, whether or not Gentry could have gone. So there were serious conversations going on behind the scenes with everything. But look, it's good. It's very, very good that Gentry is going. And if the Pelicans can kind of build off everything they've done already, particularly defensively, and look, Gentry does coach defense too. It's not just all offense with him. They can build off all of that. It's going to be a good thing. And speaking of the defense, let's look at that in the segment coming up here because the turnaround the season was surprising. I've got the numbers. I've got a lot of the reasons why and why it's good that everyone on the team, particularly one person, is going to be in attendance in Orlando. But before we do that, today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need over there at rockauto.com. Look, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer, you want to just save a little bit of money by working on your car, learning about it a little bit more, or you're restoring something older and classic, it can be tough finding the right parts that you want. Most chain stores aren't carrying all the specific parts that you want for your specific car. There's too many makes. There's too many models out there. It can be tough. Also, sometimes you want to have choices. 
choices. And these chain stores, because of all the different makes and models out there, are only going to have one type of brake caliper. They're only going to have one type of master cylinder or one type of radiator or all of that. It doesn't really give you many options when you go in there. But with the unique online catalog of rockauto.com, you can search multiple makes, uh, multiple parts that fit your car that find exactly what you're looking for. And it just makes life easier. It also lets you save money by letting you pick your preferred brands, preferred prices. And frankly, their prices are reliably low. I use them quite often right now for something that I'm working on um, out here on my street. And I have not found lower prices than rockauto.com. And you can just kind of click on the your car, the type of part you need. It's going to show you all of the different options. And they're giving you reliably low prices. Same for you who's doing this at home as they would for a mechanic, which is not normally the case for this sort of thing. So go to rockauto.com right now. And in there, how did you hear about us box? Tell them locked on. Let them know that we sent you rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. All right, let's look at the defense here because this is going to be something that's really important for New Orleans. They started off terribly, terribly. They were a bottom three team for the first two, three months of the regular season. But when they got a little bit healthier, when some of the concepts that Jeff Bizdalek is putting in place started really to take hold, you're seeing this team start to steadily improve. And it really also starts when Derek Favors got healthy and was a consistent part of the lineup. And Zion coming in, we know what he's doing offensively. He's not good defensively just yet. But lineups with him, with a certain guy out there on the court, Derek Favors, have looked pretty good. So how have the Pelicans kind of turned this around? And I think Derek Favors, you've heard me mention him a bunch now, is a really key part of all of this. So the Pelicans' defense ranks in the bottom 10 of the league overall on the season. But if you adjust it for them playing basketball since Zion returned, and it starts even before that, you could go back to the Christmas Day win over the Denver Nuggets. They've climbed. Right now, since Zion's return, the Pelicans' defense is actually ranked eighth best. That's a dramatic turnaround, a dramatic improvement during this time. If you, if you stretch it out to uh, Christmas Day, December 25th, they rank 10th. Um, so even more recently, they've been even better. They've done a couple of things that are immediately going to kind of jump out at you. Their defensive rebounding has been better. Favors is a big part of that too. Zion out there is an okay part of that as well. But just ending possessions, not giving up as many second chance opportunities as they were early on in the season. It's a big difference maker. Possession terminators. That's the phrase that David Griffin likes. So that right there is a big part of it. But it also has to do with rim protection too, to a degree. And this is where I get a little bit worried, but this is where um, a guy like Derek Favors comes in. If you look at opposing teams' shot chart against New Orleans, it looks bad. They actually give up the most field goals per game in the restricted area, basically at 36 per game. Second worst is 32.2. There's a significant jump there between the Pels being dead last and second to last. But, and this is kind of a little bit of a band-aid over bullet holes here, the Pelicans are pretty good at defending the rim. They're actually in, uh, they're the sixth best team at defending the rim. They give up a field goal percentage of 62.1%. The worst team is the Sacramento Kings. The Pelicans play twice, by the way, keep that in mind. They give up 69.3% field goal percentage at the rim. 7% there is big, obviously, but 62 plus percent is a lot, and this is where I get worried that this might not be sustainable. And if the Pelican, if opponents are to shoot a little bit better uh, at the rim around the Pelicans, that's going to go. Uh, the the interior defense basically falls apart. But favors a big part of this. They might kind of get by the guards on some of this stuff, 
uh, and there might be some attacking going on, but at least you can minimize the damage that it causes. And I think that is an important thing. There's also somewhat, somewhat of a plus side with this, and that is the Pelicans' three-point defense. They give up not many three-point uh, shots per game against them right now. That's been a very good bright spot. Teams are shooting a little over 11 threes against them per game or making and all of that stuff. They are defending the three-point line. Wow, that comes from Drew Holiday kind of blanketing guys at times. Same thing for Lonzo Ball. They might let guys get past them, but if you can kind of funnel it into a good interior defender like Derek Favors, I think there's some benefit to that. And they don't let teams shoot well um, from above the break and other spots on three. The Pelicans have the fourth best above the break three-point percentage at 33.5%. You will absolutely live with that. The other teams, the Portland Trailblazers, give 39.5%, 40% essentially. It's not good. Same thing for the corners. The Pelicans are pretty good at defending those for the most part um, as well, particularly the left corner, which is much better for them than the right corner. But I don't think you need to read uh, into those a little bit too much. The above the break thing is a big thing, that they are really kind of clamping down on guys there and forcing a lot of misses, which then they're able to kind of end those possessions with the defensive rebounds. So let's look at Zion, though, a little bit and some of the on-off numbers with Derek Favors and how important it is. When, Fa when Zion is on the court and Favors is off, Zion and the team has a defensive rating of 114. It's high. It's not good. Um, let me see how that would compare to, like, the, the league uh, really quickly. That would be six worst. There we go. Not good. When Zion's on the court, Pelican's basically six worst defense in the NBA without Favors. When Favors is on the court, that defensive rating drops to 101.4. That's really good. The best defensive rating in the league is 102.2 with the Milwaukee Bucks. Kind of tells you all you need to know about how important favors is to the defense when Zion's out there. Zion's not that interior defender. He makes mistakes. He loses his man a lot. And it means favors is doing a whole lot at the rim right now. And they need him to kind of be that deterrent down there. And when you look at the lineups that, that Zion has played, there are only two lineups when he's out there with Derek Favors. You have your normal starters, Holiday, Ball, Ingram, Zion, Favors. It's got a defensive rating of 91.6. That's really, 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 really good. Um, this is also, so it's not just two lineups with him, sorry. It's, uh, these are the two best lineups that I've got pulled up for everything right now. The next lineup that he plays the most minutes with favors in, which is very similar. You just sub Josh Hart in for Ingram in this lineup here. 30 minutes. So the first minute uh, lineup was 230 minutes. This lineup is 30 minutes. Defensive rating of 94. So the two best, uh, the two most played lineups for him with favors in there, really freaking good, aren't they? When you look at these numbers in terms of the defense. So favors is that anchor down low. He talked about it too and said in his media availability, do you have a bigger role you need to play with all of this with Jeff Bisdale there? And he said, yeah. And it starts with communication and team chemistry. That improves as the season goes on, right? As you get more accustomed to playing with guys, you know their tendencies, you can make the right calls, you can read things a little bit better. And Favors does that. He talked about it. When he's below the basket defending the rim, he's making call-outs on where guys are coming from. Because they're busy, he can see the court, the entirety of the court, whereas guys might be on the perimeter and their back is turned to certain players and they don't get to see it. So Favors in his role, the communication, the rim protection, vital to the Pelicans' defense, as well as the rebounding. 
Those are some areas which are easy improvements combined with the fact that they force opponents to shoot terribly because of a lot of the length they have at different positions because they can switch a whole lot more uh, than a lot of other teams because of that length. You can limit it. I think there's concerns that maybe some of these aren't sustainable, um, particularly given the high number of attempts at the rim and in the restricted area and the fact that the three-point percentage seems a little abnormally low, but still... It's good right now. You might be able to sustain that over eight games. And with favors out there, I think they can do a lot of work on that defensive side of the ball. And when you get stops, you get to run in the fast break and play in transition. And that's where this Pelicans offense thrives. So favors really a key to this from a number of ways. And there's a reason when he got healthy and started playing a much greater role for New Orleans that the defense started to turn around. All right, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. Still here with you all and have been Monday, Wednesday, Friday during this whole hiatus when nothing is going on sports-wise. But there's always a lot to talk about with this team, particularly with Zion out here. So it's been a lot of fun. So please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Leave a five-star review and tell a friend. It takes like 30 seconds to do both of those things combined. Hey, you're a Pels fan. Make sure you listen to this. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, about 20 minutes or so to catch up on everything everything you want. I've also got two now projects coming soon that are going to be side things to this, which are going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for all of those. But right now, subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review and tell a friend all told it's going to take you like a minute total. We don't ask for much here on Locked On Pelicans and are able to bring you all of this great content. So help the show out just a little bit by subscribing. All right, we're going to have a little fun here on this Friday edition of Locked On Pelicans. I've got Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints, here for this segment with me. Ross, first, this is we've never done this before, and it's pro- we probably should have done it much sooner. <laughs> That's very true, man. I'm very excited to be able to get this started with you. Uh, glad that I, I think I'm still fairly certain that we're going to be the first guys to do this, to cross over at NFL and NBA here on the network. Yeah, I think so. And if we're, if, if we're not, we're going to say we are and we're going to make everyone believe it. And like maybe we get raises or something like that. But this this came from me being stuck in you know, a car the other day where the you know I was like, let me take questions. I'm on a six hour drive. And it was like, let's talk a little bit here about, you know, I, I open questions. And you were like, you know, what would Zion play on the Saints and who else could maybe make the crossover between the Saints and the Pelicans? And it's an interesting discussion because Zion looks good. So I think overall, mm-hmm. we should just kind of dive into all of this. Perfect. Let's get it. So let's start with Zion, I think, because like that's the name that we're going to be talking about. And this is a guy, I think, you especially now with how he looks. Like he had, you know, when he came back from the knee injury, not he, he was in good shape, but like not as jacked, even though he's a huge dude to begin with, as he is right now. Like that picture of him mm-hmm. in the mask where he looks oh, like a man. superhero or maybe a supervillain, depending on how you want to like quantify it. He looks good. And so, you know, a guy with leap ability like that, with, you know, all of the physical tools he has, easily could translate probably in some capacity to the gridiron, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the biggest conversation isn't necessarily can it work? It's just about where it's the best option to put him because you hear a lot of conversation about him at tight end. But there's also some really good conversation because of his explosiveness, because of his athleticism and because of his ability to move in and move quickly in small spaces. I mean, we see him at the top of the circle spinning around guys to get ready and in position for uh, for a lob from Lonzo. We see him moving quickly and being explosive in those small spaces. And so it really raises the question, would defensive end also be an option 
for Zion and just put him in those packages and allow him to just get after the quarterback. And I think that's a really, really good fit for him. Yeah, no, that's so seeing him in that picture, I immediately think something like edge rusher, linebacker, mm-hmm. something like that with just the, the absurd speed he has in the first place. He could get to the QB quick. The spin move is already there for him on the basketball right. court. So I think it translates over a little bit. And he's got that quick lateral movement too. Like he is just such a freak that tight end, I think is where everyone wants to put him for the lobs and the jumping ability. But the other physical tools might make him even better. Like you see him just throwing dudes around and that's kind of what you're looking for on the defensive side of the ball yeah and we know he can get a strip if he needs to as well because we've seen him just rip the ball we saw him rip the ball out of kevin knox is still not (laughs) recovered from what happened in summer league which is now over a year ago and feels like it was just yesterday you're right you know he just ripped the the ball out of the qb's hands and then out sprint everyone for the the touchdown on it so he makes who's gonna catch him with a seven yard head start (laughs) oh absolutely is there is there any are there any other pals you think could make the transition over Okay, so there's a couple that I'm really excited about, actually. And it's funny because a, lot of, a couple of these guys actually come from, the, uh, come from this rookie class uh, that came out because the rookie class is just so incredibly athletic and the builds are so unique that I would happily throw on a football field at any point. So if you're going to have a guy like Zion lining up on the defensive side, you can always you know, move him and have him come into the game in goal line situations, red zone situations anyway as a tight end. But if you don't want to do that and if you don't want to risk him getting hurt playing, you know, this other position, give me Jackson Hayes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, give me Jackson Hayes any day as a red zone threat in the tight end, six foot 11, 220, kind of put him in that Demetrius Harris type of build who was uh, played with the, uh, the, the Kansas city chiefs for a bit tight end, six foot seven, 225. So he's not a guy that's really gonna, you're going to trust to go in line and actually block somebody. But if you just need a big body with some insane leaping ability to be a go up and get it, climb the ladder kind of guy in the back of the end zone, Give me Justin Hayes. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Jackson Hayes in the red zone all day. It, look, he was a receiver in high school until mm-hmm. he switched to basketball. Like the guy's only been playing, you know, competitive organized basketball for like four or five years, really. And his ability to go up and get the ball, any ball, I guess, is almost <laughs> unmatched. He probably has a higher vertical or gets up higher, especially with his height, than Zion does. And we've seen it a couple times on the court where he throws down like a putback dunk that comes out of nowhere he's going to outleap probably any defender and get the ball even if you don't throw that fade too well and he needs right. to kind of like reach out of bounds for it I even look at a guy like Lonzo Ball as almost like a trick play guy a guy that would fit mm-hmm. in really well with Sean Payton on some of those gadget plays he's a guy who's had multiple basically full court lobs to Zion from the second the ball is inbounded 94 feet pinpoint to Zion for the alley-oop Unlike, you know, a slot receiver uh, end around, you need the guy to get the ball and all of a sudden he's going to pull up and throw, you know, Lonzo might not be bad in, in a trick play situation, I think, like that. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I have it written down right here. Lonzo Ball, six foot six, one ninety. Quarterback? Question mark. Taysom? Question mark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like he would just fill that role so unbelievably well. The vision's there. He can. He's got the accuracy for it. You don't see that in the NBA. There's only been like four or five of those plays all season long, and Lonzo right. to Zion is two or three of them. That's right. saying something. So he could easily work in that kind of type of role. I think. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. The other guy that I wrote down also from this past rookie class, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, NAW, six foot five, two oh five. Uh, give me him as a wide receiver as well. I mean, he's just very athletic. He, the thing that I also like about him, 
is his endurance and longevity when he's on the court. He will sprint up and down without finding – Yeah, I don't know where he gets the energy, but he has it. That is exactly the type of thing you'd like to see from a wide receiver. And his 81-and-a-half-inch wingspan is, like, good in the NBA. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it's in a little NFL. bit different measurables, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, exactly. He's ambidextrous, too. So I think mm. that probably helps depending on where the ball's thrown. If he can mm-hmm. easily grab it or feel more comfortable grabbing it with his left or right hand, probably adds to it a little bit, I think, in that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I, I like the idea of him going there. One of the other things that really stands out to me about him as well is just kind of the, I mean, he, he has the personality as well. And that really goes for all three of these guys, Lonzo Ball, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, all have the personality that fits very well within the Saints culture. We see that culture now becoming a bit more about New yep. Orleans sports than just about the New Orleans Saints. But it, 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 I think that that's one of the things that makes this conversation so intriguing is the way that the cultures from each team translate over. And so we talk a little bit about the guys that can fit in from the Pelicans playing with the Saints, not just Zion, but some of these other guys. And I'm curious if there's any of these guys that are on the Saints roster that you would happily take over to Orlando to help out in the bubble. You know, there's a, there's a couple of guys uh, I think that works. I mean, you obviously look at guys like Lattimore that I think can be, mm-hmm. you know, kind of that almost wing defender in the NBA, the way he sticks to guys, doesn't get kind of like shaken out on routes, things like that. I think that's really important to have. And that's something that the Pelicans could use right now as they really try and shore up their defense and kind of bring him into play. Like that dude seems like he would translate to be like a three and D kind of guy in the right. NBA a little bit. And I kind of love something like that or a guy like Kamara that you can use in so many different ways offensively to play off of Zion whether it's instead of Zion kind of being the focal point you have Kamara running around multiple screens doing different things finding ways to get open and then when you get him the ball in space which is a big thing in the NBA too I think Mm -hmm. that could work out really well and you can see him kind of being that like off-ball cutter to to a degree in the NBA but I'm really curious to see who you've got for this. Well, I mean, I think I'm glad that you brought up Marshawn Lattimore because he was one of the the top ones on my list here in terms of uh, a guy that can go out there and be, you know, incredibly athletic, eh, bring in a ton of speed as well. And so keeping up with the fast pace of the offense that Alvin Gentry likes to inject into this team, Marshawn Lattimore fits there as well. But also interesting to watch him potentially be a Patrick Beverly type, I'm going to annoy the living hell out of you type of defender. Yeah, exactly. Which- <laughs> like that's how I see him a little bit in some of this stuff. Like you, you want that dude on your team every single time and you hate, absolutely despise when you play against that guy. That's absolutely right. And I think AK could be that same thing for the Pelicans on the offensive side, somebody that's just going to run around. I mean, you're going to send yeah. him on every every different sort of like off-ball look that you can to just annoy these defenses and work his way open just simply by outlasting these guys. That's kind of what they did with Ryan Anderson when he was here in mm-hmm. New Orleans. They had like 20 different ways to get him an open look for th- for three that just involved running through different screens, multiple screens, just kind of curling around dudes. Kamara would be perfect at that sort of role, I think. So I can definitely see that being uh, in that same vein. You know, you have kind of those guys that are like lightning in a bottle in the NBA that Mm -hmm. are just so fast, get open because of that speed and they're quick. They're smart about how they use it. And I think he fits in 
that role a little bit. I guess you could also throw Drew Brees in here just to kind of fill the Lonzo Ball lob role a little bit too, I guess, if we're being mm-hmm. like really simplistic with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't go without mentioning a key distributor, right? Like, obviously, yeah. <laughs> he's going to be one of those guys. Um, you know, a- another one that I feel like is obvious is that, you know, I haven't seen him play anywhere that he doesn't perform well at. So why not take Taysom Hill to Orlando as well? Kind of that same conversation we had about Lonzo Ball. Where does Taysom Hill fit in on a Pelicans team? You know, that's one person I hadn't like thought about at all, but you're right. Like that's a guy that just kind of, it's like your glue guy in a way on like a team of five Mm -hmm. on a, you know, or like your eighth man. That's kind of a, you know, not the star guy, but fills a very important role. He's like kind of each one more, you know, each one more started at small forward out of position for a whole year. He plays three, four positions at times for new Orleans. That's a useful guy to have. Even if the like numbers don't show up and you're not like, Oh my God, he's hitting eight threes a game he's not scoring 24 points per game but he's doing a lot that helps your team win I think that's pretty similar to what Taysom Hill does a little bit here in with the Saints that like he just fills a variety of different things that you need yeah absolutely I mean once you said that he plays like four different positions it's like okay, yeah, yeah it's absolutely. just immediately we've got it the analogy is perfect I think at that point for everything uh I guess I the coaches it. would probably work well too Ooh. you know Gentry's yeah. going to Orlando now but I wonder if you could have had Sean Payton like learn basketball quickly like give him two weeks like what he'd be capable of doing and you mentioned kind of the 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 culture here it's two organizations sharing kind of one culture versus two separate ones and Look, Eric Spolstra with Miami spent time going to Oregon when they had Chip Kelly to learn the spread offense because he wanted to bring those concepts back to Miami with the the Heat and LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. So I think there's some overlap partially there too that I think could work. I think so. I mean, we've already seen, I mean, when, when people were able to be in the same room as each other back in the day, uh, if anybody <laughs> yeah, can remember, years ago. But, you know, right. but we've certainly seen, uh, you know, times for Alvin Gentry, Zion, the rookies that were coming in from, from the Pelicans, they, you know, were at Saints practice, checking them out during training camp. We've seen Saints players getting involved in Pelicans events as well and being present for that. So you have to wonder if there's any kind of trade secrets going on between Alvin Gentry and Sean Payton about just being innovative because both of them do carry that tag a bit and you know Sean Payton obviously one of the best innovators in the NFL hard to imagine that he couldn't come in and be a guy that would then be able to innovate himself to be a part of an NBA uh, uh, coaching staff and I think you would see the same thing from Alvin Gentry taking him over to New Orleans the guy wants to play fast pace he wants and he absolutely has the roster to be able to do that he's looking for guys that can play kind of two-way that can do all of this and that can be multiple that's exactly what the Saints have been trying to build themselves on since 2017. Yeah, no, I think there's there's a lot of overlap. Look, I'm glad Gentry's going, but if he didn't, I'm sure we could have found ways to kind of make this work um, for everything. And I guess if we ever combine teams for some weird hybrid football, basketball crossover sport uh, that would air on like ESPN 8 or something like that, we'd probably have the best, like the championship winning team here in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see any, I don't see any other combo city uh, competing <laughs> with what New Orleans would bring to the table here. No, absolutely. So we're all star for a championship. So we'll get it in whatever that whole, you know, amalgamation <laughs> of, of a thing might be. But no, uh, this was fun. We've got to do things like this more often. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I, this was something that I, I told you uh, a while back. Like, I, I was hoping to figure out some way that we were going to be able to do this. I think it was on both of our minds to be able to work out something like this uh, at some point. And now we just need to keep the tradition alive. 
there we go. We've, we've started it. You know, everyone else on the network is going to follow it. And yeah, we've just got to keep it rolling. So this is fun. We'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you very much for taking the time. Yeah, no, thank you. All right, there you go. Crossover for the generations, I think. And also as good of a spot to end it as any here on today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So that's going to do it for today's show. That's going to do it for the week as well. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Ross Jackson for the crossover. Go check him out over at Locked on Saints as well. Now tell your smart device to play podcasts, rejecting the screens for some great behind the scenes stories of the NBA. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Monday.